Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, January 26th, 5.30 a.m. Central Time. As I speak here, I have Brian Split with me this morning. Joe is still out of the office. So this morning, we're going to start off with some news coming out of Argentina. On Thursday, the Buenos Aires Grain Exchange Exchange increased its forecast for Argentina's corn and soybean crops. The soybean crop is forecast to reach 52.5 million tons, up from 52 million tons previously projected. The country's corn crop is estimated at 56.5 million tons, up from the previous estimate of 55 million tons. The increases were attributed to improved rainfall this season. The exchange, however, did note that if future rains do not materialize, its soybean projection could be reduced. So if this increase in Argentina's uh, corn and soybean yields come to fruition, how big of an impact is this going to have on the market? You know, I don't think a, a half a ton of a increase in the in the soybean crop in Argentina is going to have a material uh, effect on the marketplace, uh, especially because in my own personal belief, uh, I think Brazil's production uh, will likely be revised lower, more than that half ton. Uh, I think we still have several million tons of reductions coming from both CONAB and USDA as far as that goes. Um, the corn estimate uh, increase of 1.5 million tons may have a little bit more of an impact. Uh, but again, that's still something that is going to be up for debate for uh, how that will be offset with with Brazilian production. There's a lot of time for that crop to uh, to go both ways at this point. Uh, we have to get it planted, number one. The timing of when it's planted will really uh, affect the perception of how that crop could materialize because if we do see rains continue in Brazil that delays harvest of their their soybean crop that will delay the planting of their safrina corn crop. Um, the safrina portion of the Brazilian corn crop is the larger portion of the two, so that's the second crop. The first crop does have uh, a good amount of production, but not as much as the safrina crop. Uh, and as far as that last point, when you look at the forecast for Argentina, uh, it does look hot and dry. We're looking mm -hmm. at elevated temperatures and really no rain in the forecast as we go out about 10 days. Uh, so that very well could reduce both of those. I don't think it would just be the soybean estimate. I think it would be both the corn and the soybean estimate in Argentina uh, if we do see that hot and dry conditions uh, uh, persist uh, past that 10-day period. Yeah, so it's just kind of a wait-and-see situation. On Thursday, oil prices rose to their highest level in two months. WTI crude gained 3% to settle at 77.36 per barrel. Several bullish factors sent crude prices higher. First off, U.S. crude inventories fell to their lowest point since October last week, declining by more than 9 million barrels. A Ukrainian drone attack damaged an oil refi refinery in southern Russia, and China announced stimulus measures that are expected to increase energy consumption and aid in the country's economic recovery. Do you think we're going to continue to see uh, crude prices continue to climb higher, especially as geopolitical tensions uh, remain pretty high. Yeah, Mackenzie, there's really no shortage of geopolitical issues that we're dealing with right now. 
uh, when you look at the slide right there, uh, bullish technical signals. So uh, one thing that we have seen is that crude oil has gotten through that 200-day moving average. And maybe more importantly, uh, when I look at the products, uh, namely heating oil, which is going to be your proxy for diesel fuel, your distillates, um, that has already pushed through the 200-day moving average. And really over the last four or five sessions has been finding support at the 200-day. That's where they've been buying these little bit of dips over the last several days. And then we've pushed up to some new highs for the recovery. Uh, when you think about the peak that we had in September, and then we had that secondary peak in October, and then we had another little peak there in late November. And if you draw the downtrend from peak to peak to peak, uh, we've taken out that downtrend. So we've kind of violated the, the short-term trend of, uh, of going down over the last several months. We're starting to build a base. That base of support that we built in December and early January is very close to the base of support that we had uh, that we built as lows back in spring. So I think we found value again. Uh, and again, because there's really no shortage of, of geopolitical things going on in the world, uh, after taking out resistance, technically, uh, I don't know if being short this market is a good idea. U.S. corn export sales declined last week. Net corn sales of 38 million bushels were down 24% from the previous week, but up 14% from the prior four-week average. Mexico was the largest buyer for the week. Net soybean sales of 21 million bushels fell below pre-report estimates and were down 28% from the previous week, but up 6% from the prior four-week average. China was the largest soybean buyer Net wheat sales were reported at 17 million bushels, down 36% from the previous week, but up 45% from the prior four-week average. Mexico was the largest wheat buyer for the week. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on last week's export sales, specifically the poor soybean sales? You know, it's. Uh, I think the major problem right now for soybean sales, and, and China was the largest buyer, and, and we want to continue to see China be the largest buyer. Um, that's where your larger totals are going to come from. But uh, when you think about the value of beans out of the Gulf versus uh, Paranagua, for example, and uh, we're about a buck and a half more expensive. Um, and so at this point, unless you see China uh, start to get more concerned about the Brazilian crop. And I don't know uh, if there's really anything out there to say that we need to be aggressively concerned. Uh, we just don't know how much some of this damage over the last several months uh, is going to total to because they were awfully hot and awfully dry for a long period of time. There was a large portion of that crop that's going to be affected. Uh, and I do think you're going to continue to see production estimates decline from where they are currently. But are is there an issue right now that makes us think that that crop is getting materially smaller? And I think the answer to that currently is no. Uh, so I think it's just a discovery period of, of figuring out how much damage was done. But as long as Brazil is that much cheaper than the U.S., it's hard to imagine that our exports are really going to pick up and uh, be at the point where we're really uh, – Put it this way, last week, the export sales for soybeans were smaller than what we need to have on a week-to-week -week basis to hit the USDA goal. Mm -hmm. um, and that trend may continue uh, unless China uh, uh, comes in here and buys aggressively, which, again, doesn't likely become the case because of how much more expensive we are than Brazil at this point. And we're quite a bit more expensive than Argentina. So Argentina is just a touch more than Brazil, and we're quite a bit more than both of those. USDA released weekly drought monitor data yesterday. 
Temperatures across the Corn Belt were below normal last week. Isolated precipitation in south-central Iowa, central Missouri, and southeast Nebraska improved drought conditions. The majority of the high plains also experienced temperatures below normal. The region received very little precipitation, although drought conditions did improve in northeast and central Kansas. So when we look at the when we look at the percentage of U.S. areas experiencing drought, corn country 33 percent, soybeans soybeans 36 percent, winter wheat 22 percent, spring wheat 28 percent, and cattle country 23 percent. Uh, we've seen drought conditions improve fairly significantly in recent months. Has this improved morale amongst farmers uh back throughout the corn belt well you know the the conditions improving improves the idea that hey we can have a, a better growing season but uh that also was accompanied by uh significantly lower values um, mm -hmm. on both the futures and the cash side of things so uh, i don't know if if that really improved morale uh, over that period of time, uh, if, if we could have seen the, the drought conditions improve and uh, saw prices remain steady, then I think that would have improved general sentiment. But uh, having values come down over that time, I think, is probably more important to the producer. Uh, and, you know, it's one of those things where you look at what we had as far as our conditions this summer. Um, we had the worst crop conditions since 2012, and then you look at the report that we had in January with our final production numbers, and we had a record yield. Um, so this is going to go a long way for the fund manager to really reduce their concern about the potential for a major disruption this summer. Um, and, you know, we had, what, well over 50% of these corn, soybean, and wheat areas that were in drought conditions over the growing season and here we are cutting that number uh, by a considerable amount and now we're at a third or less than a third of the growing regions experiencing drought so that's a significant improvement have drought conditions significantly improved in your neck of the woods so uh, we're in northern Illinois and uh, if you look at on the map yeah we're, we're in a, in a no drought uh, none uh, status right now it is wet out uh, in my drive in this morning um, there was quite a few areas where they're standing water. Uh, so uh, I think where I am specifically, we could actually use a, a little purity of dry uh, to let some of this stuff soak in. The U.S. economy grew rapidly during the fourth quarter of 2023. GDP increased at a 3.3% annualized rate in the fourth quarter of last year, a much faster pace than expected. Wall Street was expecting a gain of 2%. For all of 2023, the U.S. economy grew at a 2.5% annualized pace, up from 1.9% in 2022. Consumer spending largely fueled economic growth in economic growth last year. As we move through 2024, however, there is concern about the delayed effects of the Fed's interest rate hikes. So, Brian, are we out of the woods when it comes to a possible recession? And do you see um, the Fed's interest rate rates having uh, an, an impact now on consumers? You know, Mackenzie, uh, every time I go out, places are packed. Uh, the prices on menus continue to go higher, yet the consumer continues to spend. Um, and so when you think about what we had for the annualized uh, rate and uh, what we did in the fourth quarter, that shows that momentum actually picked up 
later in the year, right? So that fourth mm -hmm. quarter ran at 3.3% uh, with, uh, with the annualized number being at 2.5%. So that fourth quarter really outperformed. Uh, maybe a lot of that was the holidays and, and general sentiment because of that. But uh, it, it just sure doesn't seem like with the, the way that uh, the consumer is, is moving right now um, that uh, we should really be concerned. And I don't know if there's going to be a delayed reaction to interest rate increases. The, the talk right now is that uh, at some point we're going to see interest rate reductions. I don't know how they do that with the stock market making all-time highs. Mm -hmm. uh, that sends an awfully strange message, message that they need to reduce rates while we're at all-time highs in the equities. But uh, momentum there is very strong. And I think when you look at the um, the consumer sentiment, uh, you know, Michigan has an index and, and consumer sentiment jumps substantially. Um, and the stock market has a lot of momentum right now. There's still a lot of money on the sidelines. And I think when people look at their 401k, uh, they're going to feel pretty positive at this point. Uh, so cattle futures had a tremendous day yesterday. Feeder cattle futures closed an average of 354 higher, 270, 272 higher at the back to 440 higher in spot March. That was not counting January, going off the board uh, 20 cents higher. Live cattle futures closed an average of a buck 53 higher, 60 cents higher at the back to 237 higher in the front contract. Box beef prices have begun to fall now that production has normalized after the frigid weather that we had in recent weeks. Choice box beef dropped 82 cents on Thursday to close at 298.68. Select was 61 cents higher, ending the day at 287.85. Brian, what is your take on this cattle market? It seems like we've been grinding higher now for a while, and we saw a pretty significant jump yesterday. Right. So, um, you know, the market had uh, uh, a rather devastating move from September down to the, the December lows. Uh, we built a base. We started to come off of those lows somewhat aggressively. And then, as you'd mentioned, uh, both the live cattle and the feeder cattle started to kind of slowly climb higher. Both of them were in a, in a, in a uh, upward trending channel, not in a very aggressive angle. But what we did this week is we broke out of that channel to the upside. We increased momentum. And so I, I think right now the charts look really good. We took out resistance. I do have to caution you that we are starting to approach some major retracement levels of that big break from the September highs to the December lows. Um, so we're going to start running into some pockets of resistance here as we pre approach 50% retracement, 62% uh, retracement. These are going to be major levels that technicians are watching for, not only to potentially take profit on some of the longs they may have accumulated off of those December lows, but also potentially looking at areas to take a stab at, at going on the short side after quite a major recovery in both markets. Well, Brian, thank you for joining me this morning. Have a great weekend. Uh, we will talk to everyone on Monday.